Chapter 20 Dusty was getting rather tired of sitting in a vehicle. She couldn't remember the last time she'd driven so much for an extended period of time. Living and working in Moccasin, she kept to herself mostly, only leaving to go to church sometimes with the Perry Whites or to get groceries. Today's trip, however, boded well of a light at the end of the tunnel for Najoni, so Dusty tried not to mind. An elder from the tribe had agreed to have an audience with them, and from the sound of it, he was the most revered and honored man in the tribe. If anyone would know what to do next, it would be him. Tired, her emotions and nerves slightly on edge, Dusty sat watching out the window. Out there, stretching away from the gravel road, the hideously barren landscape rushed by. An old country western song played on the radio, the theme music for today's trip out to the middle of nowhere. Butterflies danced in Dusty's stomach. Anxiousness kept her fists clenched and her mouth dry. She prayed for Najoni, that some good would come out of this horrible situation. She prayed for herself, too. The last few days had conjured up bad memories, and she was afraid that she'd succumb to the sadness they carried if she wasn't careful. She reminded herself that God was with them and knew what was happening. She wanted to be sure to keep him in the center of all this, not leaving him as an afterthought. She knew that all of this, though it seemed random, wasn't an accident. It was amazing how one chance encounter with a customer at the diner had turned her small, boring, rather mundane life on its head. Father, if you can take the shambles of my life and redeem them, then I know you can do the same for her, Dusty prayed. For the last few months, she had been working on getting her life back on track, rediscovering herself and what she wanted out of life. Phil and Gemma Perrywhite had been instrumental in this metamorphosis. Ever since they had found her, bloody and broken, in the middle of the road, they'd done everything they could to help her get back on her feet. She was in their debt for the rest of her life for what they had done for her. They had provided her safety, a home, a job, stability, and a newfound faith. She would be dead without them. It was interesting, Dusty thought, how quickly things can change. Two days ago, she hadn't known of a man named Jack Stone. She hadn't known about the little girl held captive, or that the most respected deacon in the church was actually an infiltrator. Phil and Gemma still were having trouble believing that that was true. But Slade had backed her up on this, having told the story while they ate breakfast of his exploring the ridge behind Frank Golding's house. When he'd been asked what it all meant, Slade just shrugged. Probably nothing, except you shouldn't let him stay in leadership at your church. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing, and from the sound of it, he's already caused plenty of damage. The more it had been discussed, the more pieces of the puzzle came together. Slade had been around about the same time Dusty and Jack had found Najoni. He'd known something was going on, but hadn't felt right about getting involved. If I'd known you two were there, I would have stopped. Dusty liked Slade and was comforted in knowing he was back home with Phil and Gemma for at least a few more days while she was gone. Thinking of home now, despair momentarily filled her heart. She nearly forgotten that she'd lost her job at the diner. When this was all over and the dust settled, she'd have to get back to the real world and figure out her next step. But again, she chose to trust God. You didn't bring me this far to abandon me. Please show me what to do, Lord. Dusty and Najoni played tic-tac-toe on a piece of paper in the back seat as the minivan neared their final destination. 
Elder Featherwill's house was desolate and quiet when they pulled in. As if on cue, a dust devil took flight in the front yard and quickly spun itself off, then disappeared. The house was simple with vinyl gray siding. A brick chimney poked out of the shingles. Homemade horse corral sat out back. It was a humble home that blended in nicely with the dry surroundings. Joey, Jack, and Ajoni exited the van, while Dusty stayed back, not wanting to be in the way. This was an important meeting, and she felt out of place. Jack told her she belonged there as much as anyone, but she assured him that she would just wait. She had brought a book that she'd borrowed from Joey, a collection of Native American sayings and stories called Native American Wisdom. While the others headed to the house, she tossed her legs across the back seat and started to read. She had barely made it past the introduction before she heard a sharp whistle. Looking up, she saw Jack standing on the porch, waving for her to come. What's this about, she wondered, and hurried out of the van. He wants to talk to you, Jack said with a shrug, replying to the question in her eyes. A very old man stood in the shadow of the doorway. His jeans hiked up high over a tucked-in blue shirt. His thinning gray hair hung down his shoulders, his face drooping and wrinkled. Dusty smiled at him, unsure of what she was supposed to do. Her mind quickly went to every movie she had seen that had to do with Native Americans, searching for some sort of customary greeting to give. Her memory failed her. "'Hello,' she finally said. The old man looked at her with sharp eyes that had seen a hundred summers come and go. Dusty knew she was in the presence of a very great man. Then he slowly lifted a gnarly finger and pointed at her. He said something, then from behind where Dusty stood on the porch, Joey interpreted. He says it's an honorable thing to take the place of a mother, even more honorable to do so as a stranger. Elder Featherwill spoke again, his hazel eyes boring into the deepest part of Dusty's soul. The Creator is the one who has blessed us with life, Joey said, and it is the responsibility of the woman to care for this life from the womb and on. Dusty glanced at Jack, but he was just as lost as she was. She looked back at the old man and flashed a smile, while inwardly wondering what was going on. The man was acting like she was going to adopt Najoni. That had never been part of the discussion. Then the elder spoke in English. Do you understand what is being asked of you? She was feeling slightly perturbed at Jack. What had he said about her to make this elder think she had volunteered for Najoni's care? No, she said, flashing a regretful smile. I guess I don't. I'm sorry, there must be a misunderstanding here. I'm not... Your eyes tell of a great pain you have endured at the hands of a man, Joey interpreted again. But the Creator has brought you a promise, has entrusted you with new life. Your pain was not in vain. Was he talking about Blake? But how could he know about her past, about her husband not wanting kids, and that he'd been willing to kill her because she'd stopped taking birth control? It sounded like Elder Featherwill was suggesting Najoni was a form of a second chance for her. Not that she was unwilling, but how in the world did she end up at the top of the list for potential candidates? I know I'm not exactly what you want for a mother of one of your children, she said, not sure where she was going with this, but... I care for Najoni. I will help however I can. Elder Featherwill moved his hand back and forth like he was stirring up water. 
Najoni is in good hands with Jack Stone, he said in English. Jack straightened at this. What? Elder Featherwill didn't look at him, saying to Dusty, and your care for the child will be important in her raising, but she is not the child of whom I speak. Now Dusty was completely lost. She gaped at the old man, aware that she looked like she had just missed the punchline of a joke. I'm sorry, what? The elder smiled now with the pure innocence of a boy. His eyes dropped to Dusty's midsection and then pointed. Slowly, she looked down. Next to her, Jack looked from the elder's face back to Dusty. Then his eyes went to where the man pointed. His face dropped in revelation. Huh. It hit Dusty like a bolt of lightning. It can't be, she muttered, then looked up. You're wrong. Dusty, Joey quickly reprimanded her. You can't be so bold. I'm sorry, Dusty said, but he's wrong. I mean, I'm not, I, I can't be, this, and shock gripped her, her insides rolling like crashing waves. She stared at the old man, pleading with her eyes for him to tell her this was a cruel joke. But he stood there, hair tossed by the wind, hands hanging at his sides, confident and sure. Dusty began to realize that this was no joke. He knew he was right and was waiting for her to get with the program. Then Elder Featherwill turned his attention onto Jack. I knew you were coming, he said in English, and I know why. I have talked to the Great Spirit, and the questions you have for me are wrong. There is a bond here that isn't to be taken lightly. There is one, and only one, who is fit for the honor of caring for a wayward child, and that mantle has been given to you. Jack smirked. Then he realized what the Elder was saying, and his eyes widened. Seriously? Elder Featherwill simply nodded. Dusty stood there, barely listening. Her eyes flitted side to side as she searched the area for an answer. I'm pregnant? She whispered, her hand touching her belly. Search your heart, the Elder said, eyes on Jack. You know I'm right. Love is a serious, beautiful thing given to us by one who knows love, who is love. Clearly you've got me confused with someone else, Jack said. He looked at Najoni, who seemed rather pleased with the verdict being handed down. He offered a failed attempt at a smile, then looked back at Featherwill. She needs a family. We came to get your permission. I am not confused, Elder Featherwill said firmly, eyes narrowing. But I see that you are. The Great Spirit asks of you this one thing. Are you saying no? Yes. I mean, no. I mean, there has to be someone better. I'm the absolute worst choice for a dad. I can't just... I mean, aren't there rules or procedures? I have said my piece, the elder said with a final wave of his hand. Now it's up to you. Before he went back inside, he reached over to pat Najoni on the head, speaking to the little girl in words meant for only the two of them to know. Then he turned and left his stunned guest standing on the porch. Dusty turned and, like walking in slow motion, stumbled down the steps. She was so lost in thought that she didn't notice that her arms were clutching her middle. She heard Jack and Joey talking in hurried voices behind her, but their words didn't connect. Could she actually have been pregnant all this time? Could the baby have survived the beating? I'm not ready to be a mother, 
I'm still a mess. I live in an abandoned hotel for crying out loud. How am I supposed to take care of a baby without a job or a proper home? She thought of Blake. She'd received word that he'd been killed in a car accident soon after throwing her out. She was carrying his baby? How was she supposed to explain that story someday? Your dad didn't want you, tried killing me, and then I found out all that time I was pregnant with you. Surprise! No, 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 she, she couldn't say it that way. But that was basically the reality. It didn't seem fair, and yet... The Creator has brought you a promise, has entrusted you with new life. Your pain was not in vain. Lord God in heaven, she gasped as she headed towards the van. This isn't exactly what I meant when I asked you to work this out together for my good. Her stomach was so twisted in knots she thought she might be sick. Then a small hand suddenly slipped into hers. Dusty quickly squeezed it, looking down at Najoni. It's going to be all right, Najoni said with childlike faith. Did you hear? I'm going to get to live with Jack. Can you come live with us too? Tears blurred Dusty's eyes and she could only smile. That's it? She heard Jack exclaim and she turned. I guess so, Joey said. I must say this seems rather unconventional. You're telling me! Joey then looked at Dusty and reached to take her hand. Are you okay? You look pale. Dusty nodded despite not feeling okay. You didn't know? Joey asked gently. Dusty shook her head. She stole a look at Jack, wishing he'd give her a friendly, knowing look, something to encourage her and soothe her mind. But he had his own issues that he was trying to wrap his mind around. She suddenly felt the urge to move and she hurried over to him. She threw her arms around his neck, pulling him into a desperate hug. It's going to be okay, she told him. Breathe. It felt awkward. This was wildly inappropriate, but she thought he might need the encouragement as badly as she did. So she closed her eyes and held on tightly. And then to her surprise, she felt him hug her back. Then she whispered, say something to her. They pulled apart and Dusty stepped back, sweeping tears and sweat from her cheeks. Overwhelmed, Jack wiped his hands down the side of his face, turning unsure towards Najoni. He was fighting the elder's words with every muscle, and yet his heart seemed to have other ideas. This little girl before him had wedged her way into his life. He'd gone through a lot just to keep her safe, but he hadn't thought it would lead to more. As he bent down in front of her, he was prepared to tell her the old man had gotten his signals crossed. She didn't deserve to be raised by a selfish, grouchy bachelor with commitment issues. But then, as they looked at each other, eye to eye, Jack was hit with a heavy realization. If he didn't do this, who would? Who would be able to understand what she had been through? He flinched a smile at Najoni, who seemed oblivious to the turmoil, the back and forth going on inside of him. All right, kid. <clears throat> what do you think? Najoni didn't answer. Instead, she threw her arms around his neck and hugged him with her tiny body. Please don't leave. She was innocence, a victim and a survivor, a fierce force of strength and yet so young, so wounded, a child who brought joy to every person she came in contact with. He didn't know why God, or that elder Featherhat or whatever his name was, thought this was a good idea. But like a snap of the fingers, he realized he wanted this. 
the same confident determination that he'd felt when he wanted to get her out of that disgusting bedroom. If he wasn't wrapped tightly around her finger before, he certainly was now. And that's the end of chapter 20.